This talk was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church, as part of the 2022 Summer Training Project. For more information on Summer Training Project or Campus Outreach Minneapolis, visit cominneapolis.org. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, I'm going to bring this over. Um, it's been really fun to hang out with you guys. I was here earlier in the summer too, so I like I've I've been to actually every project in the Midwest Network because my name is Daniel Ramride. I didn't introduce myself. Woo! And I uh, recruit and mobilize in the Midwest, and so I go to all the campus outreaches throughout the Midwest Network, and I talk to students about God's heart for the world and what He's doing there and how they can get involved and what they can do with that. Um, so I have a special place in my heart, one, because I went to Bethel, whoop, whoop, yeah, let's go, graduated in 2015, whoa, <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, um, I sat where you guys sat, I did a whole summer, at the first summer that we bought the, the hotel, we were here, did a lot of talks and theme nights here at the chapel, um, and this was also the place where I really began to think, um, whoa, God's heart is really big for the world, and the world really needs Jesus. Um, so I graduated in 2015. I had been a part of Campus Outreach. Um, it was really the first place I had learned what discipleship was and um, how to share my faith, how to live out my faith, how to um, give my life to Jesus. You know, before then it was this kind of nebulous, how do you even live this Christian life? What does that even mean? Um, and so I had an awesome community at Bethel, and throughout, one of my best friends um, went to the U, but I met him through CO, still really close with him, and all because of Campus Outreach. Um, and so I actually was like, this is great, and like Abby said, I had heard in college this whole phrase that Michelle kind of said, that I'm going to go unless I'm called to stay. And that was like, I'm going to do that, and that's going to be me. Um, and then I got to graduation, and there were no opportunities to go. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> I was going to go unless he called me to stay. Um, but I had a mountain of debt and none of these, I didn't really have any connections with any missions organizations or anything I looked up just didn't really work out. So I went and I taught middle school in North Minneapolis with Minneapolis Public Schools for three years. Um, and it was great. It was just what I needed. I got really plugged into the church, had a great small group leader and small group community. Um, and about halfway through my time there, I went um, to Thailand with some missionaries from our church because I thought, I've heard all about the unreached. I've heard about these countries where there are not many Christians, but I've never been there myself. Like, what is that like? Um, I went to Bangkok, and there was some missionaries. They would teach English for about a month at a time with, like, the same students who were in college and working professionals because Thai people are really bad at English, and they're always eager for native English speakers um, and so that's what you kind of go do, and you'd get to share the gospel, and I met a guy named New, and New had been going to the school for a while, been around the church, and I got to, in the class I taught with him, I got to explicitly share the gospel with him, with a Thai woman who, she was, like, ministering full-time, and I got back, I was like, that was really cool, like, the missionaries' lives, I could do that, you know, that was really cool, um, and then New called me on, on Facebook Messenger, I was like, new, what's up? So good to hear from you. Like, how are you? He's like, I just got baptized last week. I was like, what? Like, that's crazy. Like, 
Typically, it takes Thai people two years, you know, and he had been in investigating and doing through, and that was the first time that I was like, wow, like, I didn't really do much. Like, I just got to really be there at the end, and, like, so many other people had invested in Mu's life, and, but just to see that fruit was like, man, you know, there are less, 90% of Thailand is Buddhist, and um, most people live and die there and never he hear the gospel or even know a Christian, um, and I got to see someone I got to be a part of someone coming to faith. It was just, it was crazy. So I went back to school that year. I was teaching. I was like, this isn't it. <laughs> this isn't it for me. Um, I got to get overseas. So I was exploring a bunch of different things. Um, I was going to teach abroad. I was going to do a lot of things. I was like, I can't raise support. That's too scary. There's no way I'm going to do that ever. Um, and then I had my campus director at the time. He was on staff at Bethel when I was there um, with Kim Sarich. He had come back, and he was like, hey, we're going to go restart the ministry in the Philippines. Do you want to come with? And I was like, no. <laughs> that sounds, I don't really want to go to the Philippines. I have raise support. Like, I can't do that. Um, but then over six weeks, God just really changed my heart and saying, do you trust me that I would take care of your biggest fears in money and career? Um, and I said, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and I took that leap of faith. And it was one of the best things I ever did. Um, so I got back in 2020, uh, and this kind of job was open right now to recruit in the Midwest, and I thought, man, we are not sending enough people. How can I be a part of making um, that happen and, and showing more and more people about what God's doing in the world? So um, I've been doing this for about a year and a half now, and um, yeah, if you want to hear what's next, I'm trying to figure that out too, so we can talk sometime. Um, but that's my story. Um, if you ever want to hear more about that, great. We, I'm always open. I live in Minneapolis, so sorry, Louisville and St. Louis people. But um, I usually come to Louisville like once a year or twice a year and uh, hopefully get to St. Louis sometime this year too. Um, but I want to talk to you guys today about stories, okay? So I just shared mine. Abby just shared a story, right? And often I noticed, I mean, that's kind of what we're doing a lot, Right? especially on a place like this where there's relationships happening constantly. I know on our team the past couple months, everyone's sharing a story at some point, right? Oh, man, you won't believe when this happened, right? Um, and it's kind of how we get to know one another better. It's kind of how we begin to view the world in the ways that we do. It's the stories we hear and listen to. It's why we love great movies, right? It's why we love, oh, man, you got to go see the new Top Gun. Like, it's such a good story, like, you leave the movie theater after Top Gun, and you're like, I can do anything. <laughs> you know? Like, I'm Goose. Whatever. But is Goose the dead one, actually? Sorry. Oh, gosh. Maybe not. I'm Maverick. There we go. I'm Maverick. Yeah. Um, or you leave a movie, and you're like, That's kind of, that kind of sucked. Like, no one needs to see that story. Like, that wasn't that good. So we love a good story, right? If you were to ever read a book that you just, like, can't put down, it's like, you're, once you finish, you're like, now what? <laughs> like You're just like, that was so good. I can't move on. So I think this is inside of us. This is a big part of who God has designed us to be. And I love Psalm 139, um, 16. It's a great psalm. It's pretty popular. But he says in there, for your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book was written every one of them, days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. And I just love that verse so much because it's like the imagery is literally God has a book that has your days written out. Your story in this room is written out ahead of time before you were born um, for God's good purposes for you. 
And that is just a beautiful thought. So um, I'm going to share a few stories throughout this time. And a few people are going to share their own stories. So the first, there is a graduate from the University of Minnesota named Gloria. Anyone know her name or know her? Raise your hand if you know who Gloria is. Great. OK, yeah, we got some people out there. Good. Gloria was a project director two summers ago, I think, during VLP. Graduated from um, the University of Minnesota. And she is now serving in Mexico with Campus Outreach. So I'm going to have Gloria just share really briefly her story about how she ended up there and what, what led that to happening. Hi, STP 2022. My name is Gloria Obingamwako, and I'm currently on staff with Campus Outreach in Monterrey, Mexico, serving there through their LEAD program. And I've been there for about a year and a half now. And honestly, as I think back over my college experience, I don't know if I would have ever thought that I would be doing what I'm doing now, but it's amazing to think that God's ways and his plans are, are far abundantly greater than I could have ever imagined or dreamed for my life. And I'm so, so grateful that this is where I'm at right now. Um, one thing that was really helpful for me over the course of my time in college was seeing what God's heart really is for a multi-ethnic bride and that it didn't just start in the New Testament, but that we can see over the course of the whole Bible his heart has been to bring in a people from every nation to himself. And there's a verse in Isaiah 25 um, that I wanted to share. So it's verses six through seven. And so it says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. And so verses like this really challenged me um, to think what it could look like for me to step outside my comfort zone, do something that is less traditional or less common, but something that is really has an eternal impact and is one way to participate in what God's already doing in the world by bringing people to himself. Yeah, so... Gloria, just like you guys, sat where you sat, right? Had her story, had her college experience, and the Lord led her overseas, right? And like she said, this is not at all what she thought. So I think going off what Abby said, I think I always am longing for more and more students as they approach graduation or the end of their time at college to be open-handed with what God could be doing. Are you even putting it on the table that God could potentially be asking you to maybe do something you weren't expecting? Maybe go overseas. Maybe go in a way that you didn't expect. Um, so we're going to open up the Bible. Let's talk a little bit more about God's heart for the world. So if you guys want to turn to Acts 17, while you're turning, I'll talk a little bit. So um, I had the awesome experience in March to go to Greece for completely fun and vacation, no missions trip. Um, and it was amazing. So if you guys, uh, Sam, if you could hit the next one, actually. So this is a few pictures I took in Greece. If you ever go, I think it's my number one favorite country in Europe. It's amazing. It's beautiful, amazing beaches. The food is awesome. Um, the history is just, oh, it's just endless. Obviously, like, you have the ancient history, but there's Byzantine Empire, World War II. Like, it's crazy just how much history is in this one spot. Um, plus, you can go see some, like, natural wonders. It's, it's great. I highly recommend. Um, but I think for me... One of the big takeaways I took out of Greece was just, uh, if you hit the next picture, yeah, just the, like, it made the Bible real, you know? Um, 
as we're going to see in Acts 17, this is where Paul walked. He was in this city. Um, this was filled with real ancient peoples. The Bible actually happened. As I was standing there, I was like, man, this is the stones. Like, people walked on these stones, you know. It's just insane. So I was like, man, the Bible is real, you know. My heart wants to forget that so often. I just think it's some made-up story or something I live in. But the Bible's real. And if you look at this, this is the Acropolis. It's very famous. Um, it's where if you go to Greece, you got to go here. It's amazing. Um, the giant temple on the right, that's to Athena. That's why it's called Athens. She's the patron, patron god of Athens. That's why they named it after her. Um, but they're on top of this giant rock. It's amazing. It's crazy. It's beautiful. But if you look at this rock right here, this one just below it, that's called the Areopagus. Okay? And in ancient times, uh, this is where the philosophers and um, a lot of the great thinkers of Western civilization in Athens would come together and discuss new ideas. And they would just talk about philosophy and life and all these things. And so as we're going to find out in Acts 17, this is where Paul finds himself the first time a Christian steps foot in Athens, Greece. All right, thanks guys so much. Yeah, so, right, Paul enters the city, right, and as he's waiting for his ministry partners to join him, right, he, like, waits around, right? He goes to the really beautiful beaches in the Mediterranean. No, he doesn't, of course. That's a joke. Ha, ha, ha. Thank you. Thank you. Ha, 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 ha. Let's lighten the mood. We just read the Bible. Ha, ha. Okay. So, no, he goes and he preaches the gospel, right? This is pretty wild, right? This is why Paul is Paul. He is going to new places and not wasting any time to, like, gain some context. He's like, wow, they have a lot of idols here. Huh, I wonder where I can have spiritual conversations with people. And then he does. He goes to the thinkers of the age, right? He goes to the people who he can engage with the most, who are interested spiritually, and he shares. Um, and I just love this story because I'm always like, man, we actually get a glimpse right there into like Paul going to a place where he's the only Christian maybe in the city. And he's the first one to share for the first time with people who've never even heard who Jesus could be. Um, and even at the time, my uh, our tour guide she was like, yeah, that's the rock that Paul preached on in Acts 17. And she's like, and honestly, not a lot of Greeks believed at that first point, you know. But it's crazy to see what the gospel would do over many, many years as Greece became, um, is now like the birth of the Greek Orthodox Church. Like, it ended up having massive impact uh, for many, many years. And so I just want to pull out three quick observations and then talk about the world really quick. But the first one is in uh, verses 22 and 23. I think it just shows you a little glimpse into God's heart and then subsequently Paul's heart. So if we read that together, it just says, So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown um, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Now I'm like, did I read the right one? 22 and 23. Yes. I think you just see, again, like kind of what I just said. Paul shows up. He's ready to preach. He wants to do it as fast as possible for people to know Jesus and have a chance to repent and believe. So he goes into a sermon of the full gospel. Um, the next one, I think, is just God created us so that every nation would seek him. Let's look at verses 26 and 27. It says that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. 
yet he's actually not that far from us. I'm sorry, I forgot 26 in there. And he made from every man, every nation, one man, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. So I think this passage is really interesting, right? Saying that God placed people where he did, right, at the, at the right amount of time, that they would know him and seek him, right? The implication is that, oh, man, poor these people in this country. That's, that's never true, right? God has beautiful plans and purposes for each person in each place, just like he has plans for all of us this summer on the 17th of July to be in this chapel, right, on this night. And so God longs for a multinational church, right? He longs for peoples from every nation to know him, to feel their way towards him, to seek him. He wants everyone to know him in the world. Um, There's no room for this racist gospel of only Jews, right? And only um, from those. But he longs for every nation on the face of the earth to know him. The last one is just verses 30 and 31. Um, He says there, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising them from the dead. And so we just see here, right, that the time of ignorance is over. The nations need Jesus now, right? There is no more excuse. There is no more time of waiting. Um, Oh, I hope they're okay because... You know, God really wouldn't let someone go to hell who never heard of him before, right? That's not really what this says. There's no excuse anymore. The nations need Jesus now, and they need to hear who Jesus is. So let's talk about this a little bit. Do the nations actually need Jesus? How much access is there? So we're going we're gonna, to uh, talk about, can someone out there tell me, wait, don't do the next slide yet, what an unreached people group is? Can someone tell me? Yeah, it's very close. Less than 2% are evangelical Christian. Yeah, very good. So you can hit the next slide now. Thank you. So yeah, so an unreached people group means if you take an entire people group, which typically a people group, Ponte Tai Ethne is a lot of kind of the, uh, I think that's the Hebrew of what the uh, go make disciples of all nations. Maybe that's the Greek. Sorry, either one of those. It's the biblical language of peoples, okay? And that just means a distinct language, geographical location, um, and culture, okay? So an unreached people means in a distinct language, uh, you know, let's talk about Japan. Japan is probably one of the largest unreached people groups in the world. Um, and it just means that less than 2% of their population um, is a Christian, okay? So if you had 100 people, right, only two or less would be actively sharing their faith. So evangelical, that kind of can have some dirty connotations in today's age because of everything that's been happening. But evangelical basically means missional, right? Someone who wants to go out, share their faith, um, spread the gospel. So there are places like Japan where there's actually um, less than 1% of Christians. It's actually 0.02% are Christians in Japan. And the number is actually declining, okay? So... The reason why they picked that number is they believe that if you get above that number, the gospel can start to have a multiplying movement amongst its own peoples. Um, but before that, it tends to slow down and not be able to spread or build large movements. 
Um, there's about 7,400 7, underage people groups in the world. Now, any, why, would, why is this number so high? Does anyone know? Why is the population of underage people groups so high? Almost 40, or more than 40% of our population. Anyone have a guess that we're willing to throw out? Maybe the next, the next slide will probably help us out here. Okay, so let's hit the next slide. Okay, so these are actually just showing non-Christian populations, okay? So these are just literal butts and seats Christians, okay? And, but it's actually butts and seats non-Christians, okay? So, whoa, what are these giant circles over here? Does anyone know what these represent? China, I heard, and one other country that's really big. India, very good, yeah. So those two countries alone, um, India has 1,300 unreached people groups and China has 1,200, right? So some of the most need and work um, is there. And what's crazy is that, um, has that, can anyone tell me what the 1040 window is? 1040 window out there? Very good. So the latitude lines of 10 and 40, okay, are right along here. If you look, so it's kind of northern Africa all the way across to, I think I was a little high there, but you get the picture. Um, Southeast Asia, Middle East, and northern Africa, okay? And those are some of the hardest to reach places in the world. That's why the population is so high as well, right? We got India and China in there. Um, along with some of what's really difficult is that only 40% um, of those countries are open to Western missionaries, okay? So that's already like, oh man, this is getting tougher, <laughs> right? There's less Christians, less people going, um, and hard to get into these countries where no one is going. And so... Um, as you guys look at some of these maps, right, I've had actually, um, I've begun to explore going back overseas myself and had some options and some people have been telling me, oh man, you got to stay here though. Like there's so much need here. We, we really need laborers here. I'm like, that is true. Yes, we have a pretty big dot. Um, but it's pretty hard to argue with this, right? Like these massive red in this area. So in a lot of ways, right, Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into his harvest. And that's exactly what's true here. Um, and COVID did not help, right? I think they saw 7% um, of missionaries left during COVID, of the entire missionary population. And they don't anticipate that number will increase for people to go back. And we've seen this in our own going as well. Um, before COVID, we were sending 100 students a year through LEAD and through our whole Campus RH movement. And this past year, I think we're going to send 40. So there's been a huge drop off even in students willing to go and wanting to go after COVID. Um, yeah. So you can hit the next one. So what's your story? Where do you guys fit into this? Where is God maybe pulling or tugging on your heartstrings in this? What has he written in your book? Days that were formed for you when as yet there was none of you. So I think what's really interesting is um, I've had actually a few times in the past half year maybe in talking about myself going back overseas or I talk a lot with students who are thinking about going overseas. Um, and often students, if they'll be honest with me, they'll say, well, I don't know if I have the gifts to go overseas. You know, I don't know if this is really for me. I'm not really the staff type. I'm not really, you know, the right Christian. I'm not, I don't know if I'm good enough, actually. Um, and I just think that that's 
that's a lie. We need all people with all different types of strengths. We need people with different gifts that the Lord has blessed them in to contribute, to benefit their team, right? Um, 1 Corinthians 12 doesn't stop when you go to the mission field, right? The church needs diversity and diverse gifts. And I think specifically, you guys are uniquely set up um, and where God has placed you in his time and in history um, is that the mission field needs you guys now. So I'm going to show a couple just quick stats. Um, the first is that uh, your guys' generation is the most diverse generation in the history of America. Okay? So that's pretty crazy. Almost reaching that point where the U.S. is no longer 50% uh, white. Um, which I think leads into the next slide which is just that the question says, diversity and inclusion is important among generations. How important is the topic of diversity and inclusion to you? Gen Z at the very top, very, extremely, very important. So 76% of Gen Z say inclusion and um, diversity are very important. And why would I say this has, what does that have to do with missions, right? Well, for our, um, for the way that Campus Outreach does missions, for our missiology, if you want, um, we believe in what we call SLIM. That is our vision. And SLIM stands for Sustainable, Labor-Producing, Indigenous, Multiplying Movements. Okay? So we want, we basically, as Western missionaries, we want to work ourselves out of a job. We want to be in, build up leaders, and leave so that they can begin to contextualize the gospel for how it's supposed to look. So what does this look like? Uh, in 1990, okay, a group of college students who had just graduated from various universities in Alabama, um, went to Thailand in, um, and actually started in Bangkok. That didn't really work out. They moved up to a place called Kankien, Thailand, ended up planting a church there um, and laboring faithfully for 20 plus years. And uh, this next picture was taken um, this past year. And if you guys notice, um, you can actually, if you look close, it's pretty grainy, so sorry about that. But if you notice, there's a couple white people in the back. There's like two white guys. Uh, but otherwise, it is entirely Thai. From the top bottom, it is run by Thais. If you look on the far right, the guy with the gray hair, his name's Guy. Um, he is the regional director of Thailand, and he became a Christian um, early on when it started and has been raised up to now lead the entire ministry. And what's exciting is it really has become sustainable so all of these Thai staff people um, are thriving members in their church and raise support in Thailand in a country that is extremely unreached, where it is unheard of for people to even be born a Christian. Um, and so they've begun to uh, produce laborers, right, who are completely indigenous, and it's a multiplying movement now. So they just launched to Udon Thani. That's why you see a couple of white people in there. There are two lead staff, Taylor Smith. Um, and Aaron Raggio are two CEO grads um, who joined the team in Udan Thani, and they're planning to launch to Bangkok in 2023, okay? And that is all on their initiative. That is all them. That is not from a Western movement anymore. And so I just think we need more laborers who are ready to go in, who are ready to um, think that diversity and inclusion are important, that voices of other peoples are needed, are important, are we're, not, we're done with colonization for missions, right? We're done with um, doing missions in a way that isn't valuing the people group that is coming to faith, but we are raising up laborers and movements um, where they will continue to multiply long after we're gone and be sustainable. So 
We need diversity. We need gifts. The next one, I think the last one, too, is just, um, I think, I don't know if you guys have noticed this. I moved back to the U.S. in 2020. A lot had happened since then. Uh, but there's just been, like, a lot of um, skepticism, questioning authority, questioning of even just beliefs and Christianity. And, like, I think I, think I saw someone write, like, oh, I'm just so worried. I heard that this woman's son, like, lost his faith from reading about how the Bible's not true on TikTok. You know, like, there's just kind of this, like, culture out there of, like, let's press in. Like, let's, is the Bible really true? Um, is God really real? Uh, right? And a lot of people can say that this is postmodernism, right? You guys are living this on your college campuses every day. Um, you can hit that next slide, Sam. And I just think that uh, this is kind of an age of skepticism, right? An age we're moving, transitioning in America to a postmodern culture. And you guys right now are at the forefront of that on your universities with people who um, are skeptical, right? Who don't believe that God is real, who don't believe the Bible is true. And I don't know about you, but myself personally, I've wrestled with a lot of doubts. I still am in a lot of things. And I think, first of all, that God can handle your doubts and your questions, right? Those are not scary things to hide, but things to bring to him and work through and work through with community. And I think as a generation that is dealing with that on a daily, could you guys be the generation then that brings that to places that are much further along postmodernism than us, that bring that to places where, um, you know, I just don't think that there are many generations across the world of Gen Z, not just American Gen Z, but the world, who are like, oh, this, this generation's even bigger in Christ, into Christianity than the one before, right? Everything, everywhere's declining as more and more questions come. But we need a labor force who is ready to sit with people, to create safe spaces where people can doubt and question, where people can help answer questions, um, and just be there to say, God can answer your questions. God can be with you in your questioning. Um, and build up a, a greater labor force. So um, about 2019, if you pull up the next picture, Sam, uh, this family right here, the Harrises, they moved to Birmingham, UK, and they thought, man, there's this really sweet setup here in one of the most diverse cities in the world in a very postmodern city where some would say England, now the UK, has shifted into an unreached country officially based on how many people would actually be missional in their faith and share. And so throughout 2020, when 7% of missionaries were leaving the field, we were able to send um, over 20 people to join this team in Birmingham, UK, to start um, work on college campuses there. And in the fall, or sorry, the spring, a couple months ago, the first uh, Brit came to Christ, actually, which was very exciting. Um, so maybe... You could join this team. Maybe what's your story going to be? So I think you guys, sitting in this room right now, you were designed by God for this moment, for works that he has prepared beforehand for you in advance, that you would walk in them, right? If you know or read Ephesians 3.10, right? Um, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So what are the good works that God has for you to walk in? What is God preparing and planning you for, for his kingdom, and for people who don't know him? All right, last one, our next slide. So this a caution, right, as something that could maybe ruin the story or hinder or be hard, is just, um, I think is 
maybe this has been thrown around a lot. I think I've noticed it too, even just from when I was in college to interacting with college students now. But I think our culture is as well. But just the massive amounts of fear and anxiety that kind of flood our country. Um, it feels like at every corner there's something that is trying to terrify you, right? It's like, don't do this. You're going to die. Don't do this. You'll have trouble getting pregnant. Don't do this. Like, it's going to ruin our whole country. Don't do, you know, and I think it's just easy to buy in. It's easy to get sold on it. And I think especially that can be true about our futures, right? I think I felt that the most too. If I don't do this right, then I'm not going to have the right career. Then I'm not going to be able to save enough money. Then I'm not going to be able to buy the house. Then I'm not going to be able to get married. Then I'm not, you know, I think it's just so easy to buy into, okay, if things don't work out right, then then it's going to be a little messed up. And I think, again, what Abigail was saying, we live in one of the most comfortable, cushy cultures that has ever existed, right? Our hospitals, there's an Instagram account, that, account that's called hospital or hotel, right? And they just show the lobby, and it's like, which one is it, right? We, we can't even stand um, any bits of discomfort or pain, and often our lives are geared towards avoiding that at all costs. And so... I think this can really seep into a Christian's life really easily, especially American Christian. It can look like, what am I doing um, to make sure that, yeah, oh yeah, I love, I love Jesus, but also like I get that really big house in the suburbs, like that's nice, you know. Or what am I doing to, um, I can be a part of my church, but maybe never really question how much I give um, or how much I'm giving my life away or how much I'm sharing with my coworkers. So a couple ways I think that can really help to fight this is, number one, an eternal perspective, right? We are on this earth for just a breath, just a moment, a billion years from now, right, when we're in heaven and we look back at this fleeting life, like, what do you want to remember from it? What do you want to be your eternal impact? Do you want to be surrounded um, by people that you invested in, by by things that you did to advance the kingdom? Um, so I just think, are you living your life with an eternal mindset perspective, with an eternal perspective? And then last one, just Jesus is worth it. Um, and this, I think, was the verse that Abby was actually talking about, but Matthew nineteen twenty nine says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Jesus, you can't outgive Jesus, right? You can't out-risk your life for Jesus. You can't do something so crazy that Jesus will not repay you back 100-fold in this life. And we know it's in this life because he says, and in the life to come, right? So in this life, there's so many good things for you. And as we do what Jesus says, as we give our lives to him. So what could your story be? What could your story be about? What kind of impact could you have um, for the kingdom. So I'm just going to leave us with five kind of ways to, 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 get, to be involved, I guess, with the Great Commission, with missions. Um, and I know that kind of throughout Missions Week, some of these things have already been brought up a lot, so it shouldn't be too hard. But the first one is pray, right? Like at evangelism training, um, pray for the world, right? Like Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray, right? So there's some great apps for that if you guys want Joshua Project or Operation World. 
Um, there's also a bunch, if you want to check out the lead table after this, there's a bunch of like locations that Campus Outreach is at that has like prayer cards that you can pray for. Um, the next one is welcome. So if at your university you do have a lot of international students, um, then what an opportunity at this time in life that we've never had before in the US is that tons of students from unreached places are living on your college campus. Um, there are, I think Emily Brockberg and I were talking about this, but just that 80% of international students um, never enter an American home when they're here. Just like, what a waste, right? Like, first of all, from a non-Christian perspective, you're like, man, that, well, how sad to like enter into another culture and country and live there for four years and never even enter the home, never be invited over for a holiday or Christmas, um, never even just see what an American home looks like or a family. So is there any way that you could befriend a student at your campus? Is there any way that you could um, just get to know the student next to you in class? Um, welcoming is huge. Um, the next one is send. So I know there's lots of missionaries all around. There's kind of been some coming in and out today. Michelle, lots of different others. But could you even join their support team for $10 a month, $20 a month, just to you know, attach your heart more to the world, to more to what God's doing? Maybe you're more excited about a different country. Look up, you know, what missionaries are in that country and, and try to join their support team. Um, and then the last one, or second to last one, is mobilize. So I mentioned I went to Bethel. When I was at Bethel, um, I lived on E2. Woo-woo, my freshman year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's go. Um, and on E1, actually, <laughs> was the RA who impacted my life. So, okay, our E1, I guess, cool. Um, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so his name was Jay, and every Friday he led a group called Pray for the, Pray for the Nations, right? Which actually I know exists at Bethel because Travis leads it, so. <laughs> Which is great. Um, but I went every Friday, or most Fridays, because it was early, so sometimes, you know, I didn't make it. But, um, but Jay was the one who told me all about under people, told me all about the needs in the world. And now Jay himself has never gone overseas. Um, but I have, and others that he has mobilized have. And so it's just been amazing to see Jay's eternal kingdom impact by being the one who got people to go overseas by sharing with them about God's heart for the world um, and the impact they can have there. Um, and the last one is go. And so there's a lot of great missions organizations. There's a lot of great ways to do it. There's a lot of great ways to assess how God has uniquely designed you to use your major, to use... English or teaching, like Michelle was talking about with ELIC. Um, but Campus RH, we have a thing called LEAD. It's specifically for college students right after college um, to go join one of our 13 uh, Campus RH locations that already exists and is already talking to students on the campus right now. So I have a quick video to show you um, from some of those LEAD staff. As students nearing the end of college, there's this one question that hangs in the balance. What does my next chapter look like? Should I get a job and start my career? Go back to school, travel the world while I can. It's a unique time when the choices you make have a major impact on the trajectory of your life. So what would it look like if you spent the next two years of that chapter? Growing into who God has called you to be, experiencing a new culture, investing in meaningful relationships, and sharing the gospel. All over the world, the harvest is plentiful, 
on university campuses. Students are hungry for answers. And CEO Lead is a call for laborers to meet those students where they are and share the life-changing message of Jesus with them. CEO Lead gives post-college students here in the States the opportunity to live, work, and be on mission in 15 locations around the world. Places like London, Australia, Thailand, South Africa, and more. For two years, you'll join a community of other LEAD staff members as you immerse yourself in a new culture, build intentional relationships with university students, and introduce them to the life-changing work of Christ. It's a life-on-life -life discipleship experience where you're learning about yourself, engaging the world, advancing the mission, and developing as a leader. And LEAD isn't just for those who feel called to full-time, lifelong ministry. You're qualified to be a lead staff if you love the Lord and are walking with Him, and if you're passionate about seeing others come to faith. You'll work alongside a team of passionate college grads, receive world-class training, and be mentored by veteran team leaders. So, if you're approaching that next chapter, what will it say after it's been written? Will it be a chapter defined by adventure and stepping out in faith? Or will you look back at this chapter and wonder what could have been if you had said yes? CEO Lead is a call on your life. If you can say, God, I don't know what you have for the five or 10 years, but I want to look back on this next chapter and know that I grew, that I served you well, and I invested in things that matter. Wherever you go as a lead staff, I can promise you this, you will forever be changed, have an eternal impact, and be used by God in powerful ways as you step out in faith. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. We hope you'll prayerfully consider joining our team as a lead staff. All right, so we're gonna move into a time of reflection. I'm actually, okay, yeah, we have some reflection questions. So I want you guys to take a little bit of time to just reflect, um, and then I'm actually gonna, yeah, then we'll come back up, I have an announcement, and we'll pray at the end and then Ethan's gonna come up so yeah so also this QR code I'm not just gonna like sneak it in there without telling you this is to the interest form for lead so if you're interested at all uh, even if you're 10% interested if anything in that video resonated with you fill it out um, and all it does is it gives me your information so it's not going to someone you don't know um, but it gives me information to just kind of follow up and to see um, hey what's this about you know what's what's what what do you have any more questions that I can answer for you and just as a beginning step of faith. So um, let's take a couple minutes to reflect here. Thank you for listening to this message from the 2022 Summer Training Project hosted by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Please feel free to share this message with others, but please don't charge, edit, or alter the content in any way without the written permission of Campus Outreach Minneapolis.